Welcome back to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. My name is Lawrence Grieve, and you are joined by your usual hosts, which are Daniel Chappelle, Daniel Yates, Jack Radford-Smith, but we've got an extra host on board today, and you may know her as the better half of the Bodybuilding Dietitians, and we simply call her Tierra. So Tierra Nelson, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It is a pleasure to be here. So has yes. Tierra automatically got host status? She's not even a guest. She's going from guest to host. Well, she's an extension of you, isn't that correct? <laughs> Sorry, yes. Jack. We uh we haven't quite had this conversation with you yet. <laughs> I'm more than happy to join in, but I do love this podcast so much that even though it's technically recorded in my house, I refuse to eavesdrop every single Wednesday and I just wait until the following Wednesday to actually listen to it. That is what you call a true fan. It's almost yes. like Tierra has some sort of inherent bias or or interest in the show, but <laughs> you know. That thing aside, we're, um, of course, we've just come off the ICN Nationals, which was a very exciting show, some amazing results. So we're going to spend the first half of today's show recapping the Nationals, having a bit of a chat. Probably, you know, that was one of the big reasons we got Tara on because she had a very successful week with Team TBD with a lot of her clients. And obviously, she was there and has a bit of a better eye for certain divisions um, than the rest of us. So it'd be great to have her input today. So, Tierra, why don't you kick us off with just, I guess, some of your big takeaways from the weekend and some of the results from your clientele? Yeah, so it was a fantastic weekend at ICN Nationals, and I think it was unique in the sense how they ran the show this year in the sense that they had all of the open divisions on the Saturday, and ultimately they were handing out all their pro cards in the majority of those divisions. And then they decided to have the smaller divisions on the Sunday, like the novice classes, the age categories, etc., which really made the Saturday a very exciting show. And it was just incredible, the caliber of athletes. And what I really admired from a judge's standpoint is that they took their sweet time with really making the decision, which was awesome in the sense that they realized, okay, we are handing out a pro card here. So we need to make sure that we are making the right decision to choose the right athlete. If there can only be one card per class, otherwise their heads might be on the chopping block. So yeah, I think it was just excellent. And just the fact that these people had prepped for well over six months, the majority of them, and each class really ran for what was close to like 15 minutes. Did you guys notice that too? Mm. Yeah, 10 to 15 minutes, I would say, on mm. average. Yeah, and I mean, the the caliber, I know we, we say it every season, we say it every year, but it definitely looked like the standard was pretty awesome because I couldn't make it down myself, but DY and DC, was it just this one day that you guys were down there? I came in for the pro show to watch that, and then I went in for the Sunday as well because I had a couple of clients competing then. Mm, yeah, and I was on both days. I was in on the Saturday uh, and the Sunday as well. Pretty much the whole the whole day across both days. I think I came home a little bit earlier on the Sunday, but um, I didn't actually get to watch as much of the show as I would have liked to. I was constantly backstage, um, so I got to watch minimal minimal actual uh, stage time. So, yeah, slightly disappointed with that, but obviously it's a good thing in terms of being busy. Yeah, for sure. And Jack, you had a big stint on the on the coverage, mate long time in the chair how'd it go yeah that was good I, I got in for I think I only missed the figure and I was there from bodybuilding to bikini or men's fitness which was the final category of the day I thought it was a good show overall 
No, that's angels. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's uh <laughs> we'll we'll throw save the angel questions for later. We actually have a great angels questions for later. <laughs> but um yeah, it's interesting, hey, how it's like I think when I was listening to your guys' podcast about how they structured it, it does make sense, you know. Like at the end of the day, the open lineups are where you're going to see the competitors who are pushing for pro cards and who are pushing for overalls and stuff like that. So you kind of may as well get that stuff all out of the way on the first day. And then if people are coming back to, you know, maybe do an over fifties class or something like that, then that's cool. But I think they structured it well. Um, I suppose it's just a matter of, you know, in the future, if some of these new divisions start to also get pro cards, like that first day is going to get busier and busier because, you know, things like, you know, swimsuit getting a pro card one day or wellness or all these other divisions, then, you know, that day where they may focus on handing out the cards might just become bigger and bigger and bigger. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think from a judge's standpoint, like they certainly made some pretty good calls. I would say it was very fair judging on the day. And I've even been having a think about this lately in the sense that like judging can be fair and then judging can be, they're just trying to be fair in the sense that like fair judging would be, yes, they made the right call. And depending on whoever's up there first on the podium, you could justify that. Otherwise, we've all seen it happen in the sense that they're just trying to be fair for the winners and almost like trying to have a sense of, oh, everyone should be a winner today. You know, you sometimes see that in like the fitness and the sports model categories, for example, someone might come out first and just blow it away in fitness. And then they come out again in sports model and they're still a fantastic sports model, but the judges are like, nah, she just won all the fitness categories. So we're going to place her fifth, you know? But we didn't really see much of that on the weekend, which I thought was a really good thing. I think it was really good judging. Yeah. And do we start to call you the pro creator yet, Tierra? <laughs> Is it too soon for that nickname? Because the cars are coming in thick and fast this year. Yeah, my clients are earning them, not me. They're the ones putting in the work, man. Like, honestly, a plan is nothing without execution. And I think I'm just very fortunate to be working with some very hardworking women right now who trust me and ultimately they do what I say. That's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> and um, you gentlemen, DY and DC, um, results over the weekend. Do you want to share how your clientele went? Yes, yeah, so I only had, um, I, I watched the live stream on the Saturday. So I got to see everyone who won stuff like Montana and all that. Um, and then I rolled in for the pro show, but my clients competed on the Sunday. I uh, had a, a two older couple, uh, an older couple that competed together and they won the, all their respective categories for their fitness divisions, which is perfect. And then Scotty even took, took home a, a bunch of um, physique wins as well, which was also huge. So I think they came out with a lot of titles. The only issue with having the Sunday Sunday show and the Saturday show now split up, I noticed that the Sunday show was a little bit more empty than what it would be compared to the other ones. Like mm -hmm. you probably had about half the competitors of, of what you would have had on that Saturday. So that Saturday, the whole auditorium was like, you know, jam packed. There was heaps of people um, and same with the competitors. But on the Sunday, it did fall a little short because obviously everyone wants a pro card. You don't, you don't really go to nationals to pretty much like, you know, try and win mm -hmm. the other divs. If you go to nationals, your main goal is pretty much scoring a pro card. So mm -hmm. But other than that, it was a very successful little weekend for them too. What about you, DC? Mm, yeah, and then in terms of my clients, so I had uh, Michelle and Michael on the Saturday. Uh, so Michelle 
She didn't place, but we definitely brought an improved package from ICN Queensland's. And really the goal at that point was to just improve upon her physique, uh, create further refinement. She could have touched, like she came in just a touch leaner, in fact. And uh, I actually ran her up in terms of like a refeed. So we kind of ate up in towards the, the second show there. Um, so she was incredibly happy and I was incredibly proud of her efforts over the course of her entire prep. Uh, and then Michael came in and and uh, and and earned his bro, pro card from the Oceania uh, division. So that was obviously the New Zealand and uh, Australian, you know, title combined. Uh, and I can't take credit for it just myself because Nicole played an equal part in terms of assisting Michael uh, in his, his peak. So I, the the relationship that that Nicole and I have with Michael in regards to coaching is more centered on Michael runs majority of his nutrition up towards the show. And Nicole and I both both play a role in terms of a second set of eyes with his peak week protocol and his, his show day peak as well. So basically running his nutrition, his tan, his pump up. So pretty cool to see him come in and, and, and blitz the Oceana division and, and essentially get his pro card because he competed in season A and we, uh, we just narrowly missed out on the pro card at nationals. So it's very cool to see him come back and, and get that particularly, you know, in plus, plus 40 years of age. So it does give, you know, some old timers, uh, you know, a guarantee that they can still make some waves in regards to, uh, you know, the, the physique sports. And then we had Sal uh, Masters uh, Bodybuilder on the Sunday. Tremendous. So he came third across all of his divisions, 30 plus, 40 plus and the Oceania. And, uh, you know, and he brought an improved physique from the previous uh, ICN Queensland. So, we had a really pretty, pretty productive weekend. I think Team BK in total took out something like four pro cards. We had about 14 athletes uh, competing over the entirety of the weekend. So it was a yeah, huge, huge weekend. Yeah, well, congratulations to you guys. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah, DC just sounds like the atmosphere backstage was, was just electric. And uh, you, you, I think you had a really good time backstage, hey? <clears throat> Are you referring to the uh, the ordeal that occurred backstage by uh, just before the, the men's pro bodybuilding lineup? That was quite the ordeal. And for anyone who was backstage at that time, can probably vouch for this. It was quite an interesting uh, ordeal in that regard. Did anyone else see see it, or was I the only one to tell this story? I'm I'm honestly very sad to say that I was in the crowd, but I almost wish that I was backstage to view this. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, okay. I think you right. were thankful you were in the crowd. I don't know. I <laughs> wish I had a good story to tell too. All right. So it sounds it sounds like story time with, with DC. Uh, Again, so subscription only conversation. Subscription I think. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> only BDU fans. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I was backstage with Nick and they were up to the Oceania. Um, well, sorry, they were up to the, the pro bodybuilding, you know, lineup. And essentially the guys were getting ready to jump on stage and uh i can't remember this guy's name do you, do you remember his name the actual competitor probably yeah. should leave it out anyway. yeah, yeah i'll say leave, leave <laughs> okay, the name all right. out <laughs> all right let's let's leave it out that's that's totally fine so basically like this guy runs backstage and he's just like screaming and he's yelling like where's where's my lineup how come you guys haven't told me where I'm supposed to line up? Like you're running ahead of time. What's going on? And the Marshall guy is like, you know, hang on, calm down. Like this is where we're at. Uh, so basically this guy was just about to, to miss his, uh, his pro lineup for the men's bodybuilding category. 
Uh, and so he jumps backstage. He's still swearing and cussing at this time. Just absolutely like rips his, his shorts down. He's rips his Dax down and hands out just by his side. And everyone's like five people are just slapping tan on him, trying to get him tanned up while everyone out in the crowd is, you know, waiting for, for the lineup. Apparently they're out the front sort of trying to stall for this guy that was obviously late for his division because the day was running, the pro show was running really early. So they were probably running like the audience ahead of time sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so he's just, you know, absolutely butt naked, bits dangling in the wind as he's, as he's getting tanned or five, people are slapping him down uh and it's probably the fastest tan up i've ever seen in terms of getting everything ready ready to go so yeah managed to get on stage and i think he came like third or something like that but um yeah props to him. it wasn't <laughs> best uh pre-stage pre-stage jump up but you know hey he got it done he got a different type of pump up <laughs> I love how DC is like, no, we're not going to mention him by name, but we'll name the lineup and the place in and just let the listeners figure out the rest. Well, hey, I wasn't the only seat. I wasn't the only person that saw all the bits, mate. So I'm sure there's plenty of other people that, that are having a bit of a, a laugh at this particular situation. But hey, the guy was really nice. He actually came up to me after and he was like, hey, do you mind uh, just wiping down my back with a towel? And I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. <laughs> he had clothes on at the time, thankfully. Uh, and then he turned around and was like, hey, man, I, I saw you like, last year compete. You did amazing. Like, you know, enjoy your youth. Like, you did incredible. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. So I have nothing but good things to say about him. Just an unfortunate situation where, you know, everything was running ahead of time. And unfortunately, it was, you know, just on the cusp of missing his, uh, his category which well, does happen. I mean, people have missed their categories from falling asleep, you know, et cetera. Well, I guess it does answer that question you guys were asked a few weeks ago. It was to tan or to not tan, the schlong. <laughs> I guess this guy just, you know, ripped off the trunks and went for it, so. Yeah, he had no choice. It was just, it was getting tanned regardless. You couldn't even pull it up in a wedgie? I don't... <laughs> well, Tierra's talking about she wishes she was backstage for it. So what does that say, Jack? <laughs> I mean, she's into bodybuilders. What can I say? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I like entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the lucky or unlucky man that I uh, had to tan the pipe? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I, th I think by that stage, I was just looking in the other direction. Like, I don't want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, how good. I think there's always those um, rogue interactions at the backstage. It's a pretty weird place being backstage at a bodybuilding show. You probably always see a little bit more than you bargained for. But overall, it sounds like Nationals was a pretty good time. What were some of the standout physiques? Maybe we haven't heard much of Jack. So Jack, what were a couple of your standouts for the day? Yeah, so I think, I mean, everyone who won a pro card was a, was a standout, in my opinion. I think to... Uh, Obviously, Nikki uh, Tierra's client was a huge standout, like not only winning a pro card, but then the national uh, amateur ranks and then the, the pro show as well, which was incredible. And also, I think all the bodybuilders were looked looked pretty darn good. Um, all the, I think Caden uh, just missed out on, on his pro card, which is, of course, unfortunate. But uh, I think... I mean, it would have been interesting to hear the the judging table, like deciding between Aaron Curtis and and Caden, because I think Caden was no doubt tighter than Aaron. And I don't want to be a judge, but like if I if I were to kind of break the two down, maybe Caden had slightly more of a of a complete sort of look on the day. I think his conditioning certainly helped in that respect compared to Aaron. But then Aaron is he 
quite big. So that's, um, I don't know, DC or DY, because I think you guys know DC, might, you might have seen the two facing off. Like, did you notice anything there? So I don't, I don't actually think that I watched that particular lineup like with with Caden. This was the Oceania title, correct? Because yeah. I think I think Aaron came second in the the opens, like opens class mm. three category, um, to the guy with huge legs, mm. <laughs> massive, massive legs. Apparently, this guy is like a sprinter, so he's you know, Dude, yeah, big, velodrome, yeah, massive legs, massive legs. Yeah, very impressive. Um, but no, I don't think I I saw that. I only saw the actual pro lineup with, with Aaron versus, you know, the, mm. the other boys in that, in that lineup there. But yeah, uh, yeah I thought, I thought Caden came in looking incredible, like, like improved from, you know, from the previous, from the previous Queensland show. And, you know, it's very unfortunate that, that he wouldn't have won his pro card because, you know, like you, you've talked about, for example, with Jack, you know, being pro worthy, like I look at his physique and I'm like easily pro worthy, right. Mm. It's, it's just really a matter of like, who shows up on the day and what the, what the judges go for as well. Um, Aaron has a very, 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 very impressive physique. And I got the opportunity to chat with him uh, backstage because he's someone that I've seen in, in sort of the, the bodybuilding limelight for a while now from back in, you know, the old INBA days over at the, um, the, Simply the Natural Mr. Olympia and stuff. Simply shredded days. Yeah, exactly. Is he uh, the Iron Curtis? Yeah, that's him. He's that guy. Okay, yeah. I've seen him around the traps for a long time. Yeah, so I think like Nathan Wallace and and uh, and and Aaron Curtis have like competed against each other in the past. Aaron Curtis, you know, was was due to compete over in the um, the INBA, uh, you know, Mister Mister Natty, Mister Olympia from from years and years back, and this is obviously his reemergence into the the, the bodybuilding scene. Uh, from conversation with him, you know, he said, "Look, I can I can probably get I can definitely get leaner from here," and I think he's got a show in perhaps a couple of weeks' time where he intends to get that little bit leaner. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really want to comment further, but I think Caden had a, you know, incredible physique and he's, he's due for a pro card, you know, pretty damn soon. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it's always difficult to comment and, and make judgments like after the show because like one, we only want to bring people up. We don't, we're not here to like criticize and, and bring negative comments. So although that's kind of what some other people do post-show in, in their podcast is maybe give all round feedback in terms of what they think. Like it's quite difficult as I'm sure you guys would agree to give in-depth like feedback post-show and not, not really give critiques, which we're not really here to give critiques. That's not really our job. I also don't think it's quite fair either. If, if you're not actually at the show and you didn't actually see the competitors moving and posing on stage in every single one of their positions, it's also not quite fair to just look at the photo they took on the podium and then make a call based on that to be like, I don't understand how she won because you've got way bigger quads than her. Or, you know, it could, that's simply just a, literally a snapshot in time. Like you actually have to attend the shows and see these people live to truly make a good judgment. And I think we, we've all learned that. Mm, yeah. And we even like, we even emphasize, let's say with our clients that they need to take progress photos in certain lighting arrangements, right? Because that recognizes that lighting plays a role in respect to like one's physique, how they stand towards you on profile to the side angled, et cetera. So, you know, if you even think about it from the premise of a judge sitting at the front of the, of the stage, you know, they've got a front on view of everybody. Like if you're sitting out the side of the, 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 the seats, you've got a different field of view in respect to the judges. So, you know, maybe they're seeing something that, that you're not seeing from a particular angle, 
Um, so yeah, it is, it is really hard to judge uh, as sort of a, you know, bystander or someone looking in, you can definitely have your, your own opinion in that regard. But just like you said, Jack, I think with the premise here is that we're only really ever really building people up in regards to, you know, their physique and their stage placings, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. So I actually didn't get to see the well, firsthand. I saw it like on the live stream where Aaron, I believe took out Caden in it, but it's hard because I wasn't there. So like when you look at it through like a camera, like the conditioning and the lines kind of get blurred a little bit. And it's also hard when you have someone like Caden who let's say might compete at 62 kilos and then you have someone like Aaron next to him, which is 80, like mm. that's 25% or like nearly 30% like a difference in terms of mass standing side by side. So when you're actually in a bodybuilding show and, you know, you got to have X amount of muscle, it's pretty much who's the biggest guy nearly on stage and in the most condition when you have the two standing next to it and there's 20 kilos between the two, it does look like a lot bigger. Like, let, let's be real. Um, so yeah, like I said, I wasn't there for it, but another story with, um, Aaron, I don't believe he was actually on time. I heard it from the photographer backstage. He was in a similar boat to the other lad where he actually pulled up and he actually didn't even get time to pump up. So for his first open div where he came second, he actually wasn't pumped at all. And I believe he may even had like his tan might've been quite average so that's why when he came back for the pro show he actually had time to pump up he sat in the sun for a little bit um let his tan set in a little bit and obviously he looked far superior in the pro lineup at night than what he did during the day so see my um, understanding is is it's actually the reverse so he, he turned up late for the pro show uh because i, ch I chatted with him but maybe i've got this wrong but i chatted with him backstage and i was like congratulations on winning like the the pro lineup man that's insane and he was like, mate, I mean, I nearly missed it. Like I, I just got here. I was, I, I had left from the morning, the morning show. Like I intended to have a nap, come back for the pro show. And I like slept through it. We were walking down the stage, uh, the stage, the side stage bit. And then we realized that like my lineup, my, the bodybuilders that I was going up against were already up on stage doing like their pose down thing or like their routine. So he ran backstage. Cause I remember actually being backstage at the time thinking, I wonder if like Aaron's here. Cause the marshal guy was actually marshalling him at him at the time. And he rocked up, walked straight into the backstage area and then, and then jumped on stage, which funny story in terms of that lineup, I think there was a little bit of controversy with, you know, some people thinking that, that Aaron perhaps shouldn't have won that. But one thing that I, I noticed with, with Aaron is that like he got harder and harder as he posed. So like, mm. because he rocked up and he potentially rocked up late, uh, he was a bit more fresh than the other competitors. All the other competitors were just absolutely sweating. Uh, like tan was dripping, you know, that was that, the, that, that, definitely that, the longest um, category of the day for sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Like 20, 25 minutes, something along those lines. It was nuts. I felt for them yeah. <laughs> watching them tan up on that. Uh, sorry. Watching them, you know, pose up on that stage. So I think with him, he was a bit more fresh. He didn't sweat whatsoever. There was no running of the tan, and as he continued to pose, he got like more vascular and, and essentially, you know, tighter on stage. So I, you know, props to him. And obviously the judges really prioritize that, but I thought the the lineup was, was nuts. Like it, choosing the winner would have been like neck and neck. And I think that's why they took so long to decide on, on who to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the whole show was just a reinforcer to competitors who plan to compete in future seasons 
to gosh be darn like practice your posing endurance especially if you are up there in an open lineup fighting for a pro card because you have to be prepared to be up there having to keep it on for like upwards of 12 15 minutes because if you do just let your energy slip that little bit and you start to give in to the fatigue like it really does start to show in your physique in your transitions even in your smile and just the way that your eyes just kind of start to look a bit tired and if it's very close, like that could slip you into second place. So you have to practice just constantly keeping it on, no matter how exhausted you are. Absolutely. Like even losing that smile as well. So like, I think a lot of competitors, as they start mm. to get more fatigued, you know, you start seeing in their face that they're tensing through the mm -hmm. face as they're looking at the judges and they started getting that, you know, crazy face of like eyes slanted, <laughs> like you know, looking angry while they're, while they're, while they're, while they're posing to the judge. And you can tell that they're, you know, starting to struggle more now. And that's the thing, like posing endurance can, can, can definitely take you uh, a lot further in respect to your, your placings. But I also think there's a point by which you're up on stage for 25 minutes, 30 <laughs> minutes in like in, in light, nothing prepares you for 30 minutes of posing hard out. Right. Um, and, and speaking of posing, by the way, like it was really cool to actually see the judges asking for opposite side chest, opposite mm -hmm. side tricep, like things that often competitors don't practice because they just have the premise of, you know, I've got one good side, I'll practice that side. The judges will only ever ask for this side. But, you know, in the rare occasion, if it is neck and neck, they're going to say opposite side chest and you're going to go, oh, shit. Mm. And you can see the guys that haven't practiced it because they get up there and they're like putting the opposite arm forward and then realizing it's the other way around and then <laughs> trying to figure out which arm to put before which leg back, you know, things like that. So, yeah, yeah, posing like endurance and practicing the opposite side. Yeah, it's Take like when someone asks this. you to throw with your, like your less dominant hand and you step forward with the foot that you would step forward with when you're throwing with your other hand. Because <laughs> I remember even at the state show in 2020, um, Jason asked for like the alternate side try and the alternate side chest. So sort of we knew that was coming. So we had at least practiced it, which was good. But yeah, it definitely feels awkward. I try to hit them a little bit more frequently now during the off season. So it doesn't feel so bizarre but yeah it, it does feel a little bit weird that's for sure it's all fun think... and games they drop the rear glute spread on you and then you i'll be ready <laughs> i'll be ready Both sides of the rear glute spread <laughs> yeah the rear glute spread it's like just head forward and then head between the legs that's the two variations and you still got to make eye contact with the judges too. yeah yeah and yeah. smile especially the female ones that's where the brownie points are coming in jesus what's going on i haven't been practicing this i've clearly not been practicing you haven't been at the posing workshops, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the one-on-one posing workshops. Though, <laughs> 11 p.m. on like a Wednesday in yeah. a dark, dark warehouse. Jacks are sitting there in the corner. He's got teeth and eyes. Hey, <laughs> you just press that little lock button on the posing room at World Gym. <laughs> Do not disturb. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. But no, it'll be, I think that's a good call actually on, on the sort of posing endurance. I think it might be a good sort of chat or tactic for, for next year to maybe on rest days, like, you know, spend a good, you know, 20, 25 minutes running through and just pushing that endurance a little bit harder mm. because definitely, you know, if we're going to be on some, some big lineups, it's probably going to be a bit of a step up compared to what you might have at the local shows. So that's definitely some good advice there. So what do you reckon, guys? Decent um, coverage there. Did you want to move on to some questions? Sounds good. Sounds good. Beautiful. Well, we'll throw it across to the dynamic duo in the top left corner <laughs> first. 
So one question that we'll start off with is how do you mentally prepare yourself for big lifts or lifts that you don't enjoy? And I believe that actually came from a, a client of Jack's. So of course, that is extreme priority to answer <laughs> on the pod. So you guys kick us off. How do you prepare? Well, I think if you've been doing it for long enough, then it sort of becomes second nature. It's a habit. So you kind of slip into that mindset that you need. And I will say like the individual who asked this, um, of course, I'll keep his name confidential, but he's recently finished prep. And I think it's incredibly difficult in prep to slip into that mindset easily of taking a set to a close proximity to failure. And I find that when someone does have a more uh, favorable energy availability and when their hormonal profile is on, on a better on a better end, it becomes much easier or you get more proficient at slipping into that sort of mindset. And it's very hard to describe though, like what, what you need to do. I, I usually say um, to, to people who are new to this is get your execution down first. Once you've got your execution down, then just for one week, like for that, or even just for one session and, and kind of rotate between sessions, like focus on bringing each exercise to like a relatively close proximity to failure. And then the following week, just try and beat it or at least match it. And the act of trying to beat it every week, like quite naturally, if you've gone close to failure for that one session prior, then quite naturally, you're going to be close to failure again. So if, if you try and beat that number or maintain it, like you don't really have a choice. You have to, you have to kind of summon that intensity and mindset required to, to be there. Mm -hmm. I find that visualization plays a humongous role. And I'd be interested to know if you guys as well, for some of your really big lifts, if you actually use visualization as a tactic, whether it's in the day prior or the morning of, or even in the days prior, actually starting to visualize yourself under that bar or holding that bar or heaving up those dumbbells, whatever it may be. But do you guys actually visualize yourself performing those big lifts before you actually attempt them? I just visualized Jack underneath car and I'm like, <laughs> I got to get him. I got to save him. I think there's powerlifters who do that though in meets, but like, I don't know. It's such a, I don't know. That's getting down a bit of a different rabbit hole. Cause it's like, you're trying to, you know, bring about maximal arousal. Like when bodybuilders talk about, you know, like, Oh, there's times where I need to summon some pretty like dark thoughts. Like part of me is like, you know, like we are just lifting weights. Like, do you really need to take yourself to the point where like, you know, you're that close to being like, you know, at this huge level of arousal. Um, but no, I've never actually like visualized like myself doing the exercise. I know there's like some research on like visualization for sports performance mm. and stuff, but I don't know. I just feel like I've, it's never occurred to me that it would be something I need to do per se. Mm. I think I'm more like Jack where you just kind of, with time practicing taking yourself to that level it becomes second nature in a way mm. and you just kind of you look at your number you know you need to beat it and you just do it i know that's a pretty boring answer but yeah well i encourage you to try it sometime or like when when a lift really really matters to you like for example i know i know that you've attempted some pretty big deadlift numbers in the past but like when you then go for that next pb like it doesn't have to be this huge event sort of thing, but really just envision yourself actually performing it and uh, then see if that actually helps you execute. Mm, mm. And what about the other guys, DC? 
Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of visualization, I think I visualize my, my lifts, but I probably don't visualize it whilst I'm in the middle of training. It's probably something that I think about preceding the, the training session itself. So for example, like driving to the gym or when I wake up in the morning thinking of a certain lift that I need to do, or even just, you know, when I'm planning my week with training, okay, I've got these lifts that I'm going to try and achieve these lifts, you know, this, this particular number, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't say that I, you know, close my eyes and raise my hands and like my, my, my mindset goes off into the abyss and I drift off and I'm in this place of me lifting. Like it's more so I'm just, you guys are making me sound crazy. <laughs> I'm more I'm so just, just imagining myself. Yeah. yeah. Sierra just... levitates in the gym while she's meditating. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I'm just a genie that comes out of a protein shaker. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Um, but I do, I mean, I do visualize aspects of it. So whether it's just, I quickly envision a split second of me having completed the lift or something along those lines, like, I don't think I envision myself in the process of every aspect of the, of the movement sort of thing. Um, I think in terms of mental, mental preparedness, also having some sort of like pre-lifting ritual, Mm. I think is often a, a really good, good piece. So for example, like a back squat, it might be a particular ritual around your step out or your the process of you getting under the bar or racking, you know, it could be even the, the, the sequence of you in terms of which hand you place on the barbell, you know, first, the second hand after, then you get under the rack then you bring your hips under. So it's like you're somewhat sequencing your, your walkout to be a certain, you know, a certain um, repetition each and every time. And I think mm. that can assist with mental readiness. I also think like, getting yourself in a, in a flow state when it comes to, to music as well. So I'm sure all of you guys can, and, and, and gal can vouch in terms of having a particular song or a playlist or something like that. That's going to get you to a headspace of arousal. Jewel of the Fates. Jewel of the Fates. Exactly right. So, you know, there's, there's going to be songs that you resonate with. And I think depending on the type of person you are, you know, you might go for heavy metal or it might be techno or something along those lines as to, you know, I, I know lifters that, that prefer to listen to like lounge music for a heavy lift because maybe that just gets them to the particular level of arousal, you know, peak arousal comparative to some other people. Mm -hmm. So things like that as well, I think plays a big piece. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably where I'm thinking. Yeah, I think music's massive. Even Jack, he has like this special skill where he knows his playlist so well that he can go to the exact second on a song and then set up for the lift so that it drops at the perfect time for when he's in the middle of the set. Like that's always just impressed me. Does Taylor Swift really have drops though? <laughs> oh, she, she's, she's got the best drops. Jack's just an EDM junkie. He just knows, he knows where it is. <laughs> Imagine Jack at like the, like the festivals, just looking absolutely peeled. <laughs> Strided glutes underneath his, you know, denim shorts. How good. He's like doing one of those wind-ups. You see like all the videos at the festivals and there's some one lad just winding up for this huge drop and then just... Miss it. <laughs> it actually took me a while to actually get Jack to uh, tell me what type of music he liked. Like the first time we ever took a car ride together, I was like, what sort of music do you want to play? And he was like a little bit hesitant to turn on the, um, what was it? The house or... I don't know. I've always had him to fail. <laughs> He's hiding it. Look at him. He's beating around the bush. So it's tell me more about this car drive. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is actually all just a ploy. We're, we're digging into the relationship of Team TBD today. We're cracking the codes. This was aeons ago. This was six and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> He's anyway. 
<laughs> so can <laughs> we can we get this out of the way? Because we're all burning to ask you this question. What's that? What's the little name that you guys call each other? Oh god, Nuki Bear, Muscle Bear, Fuzzy Puppy, Peach Puppy, Peach Daddy. What? Okay. what come on, where are we? Where are we I, leaning towards? I just, I just, I just called Jack Santa, <laughs> but he's he's like a young, handsome brunette Santa. Yeah, right. No, it's. I'm not sure something. that could be it. Is is Tierra playing around, or is that it? Have we uh, it? It's definitely Honey Bun or Sweetie Pie. Mm. No, it's giant. it's definitely not. <laughs> giant sack of uh, prezzies. <laughs> Sliding down the hall. <laughs> yes, I, just, I referred to Jack as giant sack. <laughs> there it is. Clip that. That's going on the promo. That's, uh, that's going to be the, the title of today's podcast. No, nick, nicknames are definitely private. I think we all know that. Okay. No, that's <laughs> I respect that. Except for the episode where they all listed their nicknames and I didn't. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Till mine went on the uh, Instagram story of my partners, and then it's all out in the open. <laughs> all right. Well, Dy, we'll go to you for the next one, my good sir. So this one's probably I don't know. It'll be interesting to hear what we answer because we'll probably make some points along the way. But what is the lowest body fat percentage you've ever gotten to? Oh, uh, I did one of those in body scans, and I'm not going to say it's accurate or not, but I think it came out at like. 2.5 percent which is as, as so you know dead, it's probably basically. yeah yeah pretty much i'm dead <laughs> uh, i have had a dexa scan done on my second prep where i scored like a six percent on that where my first prep was a nine percent so it was three percent difference but that wasn't my final prep so i would say that it'd be about another couple of percent leaner than that i guess dex is probably one of the more accurate to an extent for body fat scans Hey, did you guys ever listen? Did you guys ever listen to that podcast episode that Joe Rogan did with Ronnie Coleman? Is that where he said he was like zero or negative? Like (laughs) negative body fat. I was was negative body fat. (laughs) What accent's that? And Joe Rogan's like, I don't think that (laughs) makes sense. D.Y., Tierra's allowed to do it. She's from America, so it's okay. Or Uh, kind of from America, close enough. I have American a, citizen? I, I'm a Canadian and an American citizen and, and Australian. So it qualifies. <laughs> what about you, DC? What about me? I mean, I've never had a, a, a DEXA scan where it's assessed me in prep. I mean, I would have loved to, to be honest, but like the leanest I've ever been was my last stage stage showing. I have no idea what, what that would have been in terms of a body fat percentage. Three, four, four 4%, maybe. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not entirely sure yeah. it's so hard hey because i always remember thinking like it wasn't possible to get below like five like even you know like legit brian whitaker elite level conditioning was like five percent so i like I, I don't know and like look does it matter probably not but it just like even the dexa am i correct in saying that can be changed based on like time of day water intake that sort of thing I, I had a Dexa at 94.4 kilos, which is the heaviest I've ever been. Like realistically, I was probably 18% body fat at best. And the Dexa was like 10% body fat, which is absolutely no way that's correct. And I was fasted, um, but because I was so full of, of carbohydrates and, and potentially food bulk from the night before as well, it just gave me a really um, incorrect answer. Mm. It's interesting because it's such a common question that a lot of people will ask, like, 
I remember being in prep and I would just have people at the gym be like, well, man, like what, what body fat percentage are you? And I'm like, I've got no idea. I couldn't, it couldn't even tell you a number right now. And they just look at me like dumbfounded. Like, how do you not know that? Like, it's mm-hmm. so important. And it's like, well, it's actually really not that important because, you know, it's a tool in the toolbox, just like your weight trends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, the body fat percentage doesn't win you a placing. Then the judges are not asking you like, Hey, competitor number 91, what was your DEXA body fat percentage? Like it doesn't matter. You didn't get your body fat measured before going on stage? No, no, I did not. No, I meant, I meant by the judges, but that went over (laughs) your head. But I think the way in which- So confidently, no, no, no. (laughs) The way in which you calculate it as well, like some people might take some skin folds and then they plug that into a fancy calculation and they might get, you know, oh, you're 2% body fat. But the thing about Dexter scans is that it takes into account your, your subcutaneous body fat and your visceral body fat and the, the body fat around your organs and everything. So usually it's going to spit out a slightly higher number too. But man, there's been some competitors this past season who have still recorded very low uh, readings. For example, like I think Montana spat out something like 6%. And I know Nikki, I'm asking her to actually get a Dexter scan just out of interest. I just want to see how lean that woman is and what her results actually say. But uh, she'll likely be getting her Dexter scan like the week before she does the INBA show, which is in about two weeks' time or so. How much do they cost? Um, if you're a dietitian, you do get them for about fifty bucks, but you do have to pay for an expensive dietetics degree. <laughs> I think that mm, not worth. <laughs> no, don't, don't, worth the don't do it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Great promoter. Um, no, but I think they're probably like a hundred bucks or something in the realm. Depends on your private health. I think I got mine for like 79 bucks at a Q scan a while ago, oh, probably okay. like two years ago. You just got to book it in. Normally like two booked out for like a week and a half, two weeks in advance, but they're not that expensive. I'd say sub 100 bucks per scan. Not for you anyway, do you <laughs> I don't know what's expensive, you know? <laughs> oh, he's lost touch. He's completely lost touch with the real world. <laughs> I thought we'd cover a, um, a bit more of a lighthearted one as well, just because, you know, this episode has been so serious from start to finish. When do we but- get to the juice? Come on. Yeah. Well, what would your angels outfit inspiration be based on? Because I've seen a lot over the years. I think in my first show, an angel came out and she was based on like the devil. And I was like, what have I just signed up to take part in? Like, what is going on? Can we can we comment what we think each other's angels outfit should be? Or should it be our own? Okay, no, I'll um I'll I'll go first. I reckon DC's now I don't know any of the characters. But I think maybe we'd get like a anime manga vibe, maybe something like that from DC. Mm, yeah, maybe I'd go with like from Dragon Ball Z, like Piccolo's outfit. That would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. That would be my angel's outfit. I'm gonna say for Jack, I can envision Jack as a border collie, but instead <laughs> of the wings, he just has these two big flopping ears. And I think it would be really cool if an angel had like a tail. Like for example, that devil angel, she could have had a tail and imagine spinning the tail around or like a little lasso or, you know. I think those are called furries, Tiara. (laughs) You could could whip one of the judges. Sheesh. I reckon Lawrence that, would, that would definitely be. be Jack. Collar or no collar? <laughs> no, I, I would Joker. be there. I would be there with him on a leash. Oh, there it is. Ah. <laughs> oh, how good. 
I reckon Lawrence would have to be, it would have to be a Darth Vader inspired costume, surely. Mm. Have like a helmet, big lightsaber, um, one in his hand as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. Hey, I was just about to throw that out there too. You stole it out of my mouth. (laughs) Nice little black cape, you know. I reckon it would suit him real well. But, But he would need to have it like, custom made though so it like showed his chest his abs and his quad like it couldn't just be black from head to toe it needs to be a custom made Darth Vader outfit yeah I like that I really like well that then. what about DY who's taking a crack there maybe a Timo outfit from League Timo outfit <laughs> damn nah it would have to be like crystal white angel wings i reckon like i'd have to be you'd have to be the best outfit on there nice crystal white angel wings you know it would be it would be done real nicely you could just be the girl from tomb raider couldn't you yeah i guess why not that's a pretty generic angel outfit do i'd rock that do you do it on stage wearing like tactical gear i'm just imagining something from like call of duty or something like that <laughs> <laughs> call of duty inspired like an angel's outfit <laughs> Does anyone know how much those wings cost? I think I knew someone that rented them out for, I think, 300 for like a full decked out Angels outfit once off for like three 400 which is obviously quite a lot for a, a once off. I think they're about like 1000 to like 2000 depending on how all out you go for like, with like WBFF, for example. You're probably looking at around like the 2K for a fully decked out like Diva outfit or whatever it was. Sheesh. Okay. Not um, that I know from personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> one of uh, one costly. of one yeah, of I'm trying to I'm trying to just fit that into my budget. See if it's on the cards for 2023. <laughs> Might have to give it a miss. I was backstage and I was chatting with one of Jono and Montana's so off taps, um, one of their athletes, and she was in the Angels lineup, and she'd actually made her own Angels outfit, which I thought was like very very impressive. So uh, that was pretty cool. Didn't have to pay much, obviously, if you make it yourself. I mean, depending on what, what materials you, you buy. But yeah, I think it gives some competitors to be at the opportunity to be creative and essentially build their own outfit if they if they have the means to. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like girls are a lot more into that. Like some girls will get a plain bikini and they'll they'll put a bunch of jewels and sparkles on it, etc. But I never really hear about the guys, you know, like, you know, sewing up their own posing trunks and jazzing them up. But well, you guys need to get onto this. I asked Jason from uh, from ICN if if I could wear the mankini for my my season, and he just didn't seem too impressed by it. So I just had to I had to give that a miss, unfortunately. That could be a new division, <laughs> the mankini. Borat division. Yeah, imagine that. You know, display the physique. That'd be quite nice. Men's men's wellness, right? Because it's sort of covering the nipples. Mm, covering yes. The, yeah. So and no one's allowed to shave. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly right you'd, be, you'd be good for that thank you <laughs> hairy boy all right we've got one for the dietitians luckily we have two on today i love i love how i'm not an angel oh okay tiara you tell us we all guess for each other you tell us what yours no is no that's not the way it works <laughs> oh, easily the most angelic on the show but okay we'll i reckon huge foodies who be the one to guess this right She's a huge foodie too, so it's got to be something food related, like, like a, a big carrot nut. or something. Big yeah. carrot, just a fuck off. No, I'll just come out in, like in a hot dog bun. 
Just like mm. none of the physique showing, just like in one of those huge like hot dog outfits. How good? Legit, I could, like a piece I of could, toast. I could flap. Tara would come out as the food pyramid. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> just a giant roast vegetable. <laughs> oh, geez. On, well, on I guess on the food pyramid, you know, all those ghastly, terrible foods at the top, we have a question um, that says, if you're on a really high carbohydrate diet, is it okay to eat, you know, quite, uh, I think they even mentioned, you know, four or five times the sugar intake recommendations, mm-hmm. um, which I can probably glean some info at the moment because the cereal intake is, is quite high for me currently. So like how much sugar, because I know that, you know, we, we all know now that sugar is not the enemy, but is there still a limit not for everyone, most people? I'm glad you know. Yeah, well, is it there? Is there still like an upper limit that people should probably consider? Not especially for people who do eat a, a copious amount of food or, or more than what is usually recommended to an average person, then um, the usual sort of guidelines won't really apply to them. And the way I usually answer answer this sort of question because we we do get asked it a lot is, what does the rest of your diet look like? Like if the rest of your diet is uh, a good mixture of fruit, vegetables, whole grains, some dairy, lean protein sources, some legumes, then sure, like exceeding the normal sugar requirements is is fine. It's not really an issue. And um, it becomes more of a concern if your diet is incredibly refined and you're not really meeting any of your other nutrient targets either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, man. I- I think me and DY made eyes at each other at legumes. Yeah. Is that actually how you say it? I thought it was legumes. <laughs> Can we get a confirmation? Le- legumes. Legumes. Uh, is Isn't it legumes? Right? Chill is legumes. Yeah. Legumes. legumes? legumes? But I've, seen, I've heard Jack said that many times on, yeah. on his podcast. He always says legumes. Well, my yeah. dad pronounces hummus humas. Very cool. Yeah, but you're Canadian. It's different. You know, that's no excuse. It's hummus. Doesn't Jack always also say, do you say creatine funny? Uh, oh, creatinine? No, creatine. that's just something completely different. Creatine, I say. Oh, you, you do say that one okay? All right. I remember back in uni, we were sitting in like one of our very first lectures ever. We we're like 17 years old. And there was that big word on the screen that said hypertrophy. And I didn't know how to pronounce hypertrophy. Mm. I was like, hypertrophy what's that <laughs> little did you know it would become the the bedrock of your entire existence tiara oh yeah it just proves that i'm evidence-based mm, mm. just just chuck <laughs> it in there into a sentence or two you know i know what i'm talking about Fill <laughs> this one lecture once yeah it said hypertrophy <laughs> in it yeah qualified <laughs> evidence-based so that's all you need man dy's like uni what's that yeah not for me <laughs> <laughs> oh so we do have quite a few other questions and i'm sorry dear listeners we're probably not going to get to them all today but they'll remain in the catalog so another one that we can answer here is actually one that you had tiara and i'll let you word it because it's probably going to come out a little bit better okay so my question for the bdu crew is if you were in a prep would you rather be in the situation where you don't have a very high caloric intake, but the trade-off is you don't have to move very much. So what I'm talking about is basically south of hundred grams of carbs per day, 
but all you have to do is basically just go train. And then for the rest of the day, you don't have to do cardio. You don't really have to do that many steps. You can be pretty lazy. Or would you rather be in the position where you can eat a decent amount of food, let's say upwards of 300 grams of carbohydrates per day, but you have to train obviously still very, very hard, but you have to do a lot of cardio and you have a very high step output. And at the end, your results are the exact same. Yeah, I think you're giving us like uh, female macros, though. Like, <laughs> not, 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 no offense. Well, to me, so, but so, not necessarily. So some of them, yeah, some of them have hit that, you know. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. No, but what, what would you guys rather? I think I would clearly choose option two. So I would much prefer to eat, eat a higher amount, but also have a much higher step, step output protocol. Mm. And I look at it from the perspective of, you know, if my calories are, that for the entirety of my prep then it does my risk of being micronutrient deficient you know increase so potentially i may be less micronutrient deficient if my have if i have a greater allocation of food you know in my day um, but i also think that there's some benefit to having a higher step output when it comes to managing like the association with hunger so it's almost like you're somewhat keeping yourself busy between meals by having something to do in relation to activity uh, to get you through your day. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I feel like I would rather have more food and a step output, even if it resulted in the same, the same, you know, results at the end. Cause I feel like if my food is exceptionally low and I'm not physically active and I'm not keeping my mind busy throughout the day by doing something, I'm probably going to deal with hunger less, like to a lesser degree. It's probably mm-hmm. going to eat away at my soul a little bit more. So what, what do you was, guys think? What were your steps during prep, DC? Uh, so for the majority of prep, I mean, I guess the last, like let's say sub, sub eight weeks, probably around the 14K. And then basically leading up between tropics, actually no, between, uh, yeah. So between tropics and Queensland, it was 16K mm. across, across pretty much the Thursday and the show was, uh, I believe the show was Saturday. So yeah, about 14 to 16 K roughly where my steps were at. Cool. Yeah. Cause I thought I heard along the grapevine that you were only doing like eight K steps, but hell no, it seems like double I was that. at 10 K steps off the bat. It was like day one of prep. Hey man, 10 K steps, which I was fine with, but um, yes, steps did have to get high. It's always funny. Cause everyone's always fine with it for the first few weeks. Everyone's like, wow, 10 K, this is easy. I'm like, well, it's only up from here. So <laughs> Uh, you choose DY? Well, it's a hard one because if if all the micronutrients were ticked off at probably 100 grams of carbs, I'm someone that does have quite a low output. So I'd probably opt for something like that. But there is, you know, with the higher food, you can obviously play around with more macros around your training. So you could suck it up for the rest of the day. And then maybe you could have 200 carbs around training. So that way your training performance and everything, you know, feels amazing, which is obviously what we love to do. Like mm. you don't do a prep if you hate training. So I feel like with the higher food, you could then prioritize the training performance a little bit more. You know, it's probably more enjoyable, but for me personally, I don't really move too much. So I'd probably go for the other, other one, as long as everything didn't sat like mm. in the end, I'd probably go for that. But yeah, there are a lot of pros to the higher food with higher output. Just suck up the steps in cardio, I guess. What are I you, Lawrence? Me, yeah, I think for me, like, it would probably just depend on 
the time that would need to be taken to do the extra cardio and all the extra steps. Cause if that was adding like an additional like hour and a half to two hours to my day, I think that would stress me out more from the, okay, how am I supposed to fit this in my day perspective compared to just not having to eat very much? Cause I think, you know, like obviously you guys quite flexible schedules, online coaches, things like that. Whereas like, you know, having to be somewhere between X amount of times means I have a bit more of a rigid schedule. So if I had to then, you know, walk on the treadmill for an hour and a half after a day of work and after training, that would probably be suckier than just not being able to eat as much. So I think it would probably be more of a time consideration for me. Hmm. And yeah. What about you guys? I'd like to think I could pick the lower food. Um, and something I've been thinking about is like how I can distance myself more so from food next prep i've never been someone who gets too engrossed in like the food focus and like does all the diet stuff but i i definitely for my my kind of kryptonite is the is the food volume through vegetables and i'd like to think i could go low on the on the carbs and just do less output um but it i mean it's it's a bit of a interesting scenario because like i know i could lose weight and I know I could not do much cardio and still lose weight on, on like probably 150 to 200 carb. So it's, I think it's an unrealistic scenario for me. Mm. Yeah. I think I'd probably choose the slightly higher, well, just the higher food intake and just more exercise output simply just to keep myself occupied. Kind of like what DC was alluding to, like if you don't have much to eat and literally like a meal only takes you 10 minutes to eat and that's you eating slow. Cause there's just not much food on your plate. Like it just, it's almost like, and we know in prep, like when, when you're dieting, like time becomes warped and everything's just like extended and the clock ticks twice as slow. So I would almost rather have more things to do to really fill those time gaps and just keep myself occupied. And we know that exercise is a great appetite suppressant as well. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably pick that, but plus like, it's just, yeah, it's even if your results were the same at the end of the day and you still stepped on stage with the same physique, I think DY alluded to that, like training, man, that's what we all love. Even at the end of prep, when it does kind of stink, like in, in training, like you, it would get to a point if you were going like South of a hundred carb, like, of course your training performance would somewhat suffer. And that would just not be very, very good. It would be quite miserable. Mm, yeah and you think about it from the perspective of like if your performance suffers and you can't perform well well you your likeliness of losing lean tissue towards the tail end of prep is probably greater right so you could somewhat say having a little bit more food and a little bit more step output you may be able to time your carbs around training more so and maybe that that results in greater retention of lean tissue because performance is preserved mm. the only reason i didn't mention that is because she said that you'd look the exact same on stage either way. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess like, I guess it was really no fucking suffer. <laughs> Alrighty. I like it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is probably going to do it for today. So I hope you enjoyed this wrap up of what was a fantastic weekend of competing. And once again, congratulations to all those who competed and acquired pro cards and overalls and all that good stuff. So congratulations and all the best to everyone for the upcoming shows, which we'll no doubt cover a little bit as well, but there's a few things you can do to help the show out. The first of which is going to be to take a screenshot, post this up on your IG story and make sure you tag all of us as well as the page. 
and also leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Once again, Tierra, thank you very much for joining us on today's show. We'll have to get you on sometime in the future again. But as always, guys, this has been Bodybuilding Down Under, and we will see you next week.